hey, um, it's good to be together again with you. And I, I'm wearing a hat. I know that's distracting, but it's not as distracting as how gross my head looks thanks to my dermatologist who dug a chunk out and burned some other things. I was going to do my TV show on Friday, and, and Ann goes, Dave, you might want to wear a hat. And I go, you don't think a hat would be distracting? She goes, I don't know. So I said, well, I'll let them choose. So I got to the studio, and I go, I go, yeah, I don't know. My wife thinks I should wear a hat. What do you think? And I took my hat off, and they go, wear the hat, for sure. And so, and then... Curtis Smith told me he was editing the uh, um, one-minute messages that I just recorded this week, and he goes, you definitely should have worn the hat. So, I, but then he also told me that wearing the hat makes me look like I have a black eye. So ultimately, I don't think anyone is going to listen to me preach or come to our church because of the aesthetics of the pastor. So I'm like, I figure I'm probably okay Anyway, you're used to me being hideous, so that's fine. Um, but it's just to explain it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate sympathy. But we are going through the various verses for life. Each week, each Sunday, we, Justin or I, choose a scripture that we think Here's something you could live your life by. Here's something that's so powerful and so important that, you know, you can think about it for a week, but I'm thinking some of these, might, you might go, that resonates with me so much that I'm going to keep memorizing and thinking about that verse maybe for the rest of my life. And so these are really special verses for sure, and I'm enjoying this series greatly, but... The scripture that I'm, I'm speaking about today is one that most people are pretty familiar with. It's Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's one of the, I think it's in the list of all the verses that people look up on the internet. It's in the top 10. I think it's like seventh. John 3.16 is first, you know, and you, you work your way down, uh, you know, to I know the thoughts that I Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is second. Philippians four thirteen is right there. It's one of the favorite scriptures of of athletes because we take it as being I can do this. I know I'm I'm gonna win. And so you know, football players will sometimes wear it on a little thing on their belt. That Philippians four thirteen, they'll have it on the back of their helmet. It's like I can crush you because of Jesus. You're there's one pitcher who has Philippians 4.13 tattooed on his right arm, and, uh, but he just got arrested for punching his wife in public. Um, but he's left-handed, so he, maybe he should have the tattoo on, the, on his swinging arm. But you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can do it, I can do it. This is so empowering. But this is one of the scriptures that it's really important not just to know Philippians 4.13, but to look a little bit at the context. Memorize Philippians 4.13 for sure, but remember what it's talking about by remembering the context. I had uh, somebody had given me a coffee cup that had Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me on it. And I joked, you know, in some ways, I'd rather have a cup that says, 
I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. And so um, Serena, who works in the office, had this made for me. It says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Because Philippians 4.13 is not about we, we're going to win. We're going to get this. We're, gonna, we're finally going to you know, go to the pinnacle of everything is going the way we want it to go. This is so empowering. It's really a lot different than that. And so if you want to turn over there, I, I would encourage you to look at the few verses before Philippians 4.13, and then we'll, we'll focus on what Paul's talking about here. Um, beginning with verse 10, he's telling the Philippians, the Philippians had sent Paul a, a gift, to price some food and, and other things, maybe some clothes, and, and he, because he was in prison. The Philippian church was like one of his favorite churches, even though he had only been there a short time, but he had planted that church. And he wrote this book to tell them thanks. And he said, but as he's telling them how much he appreciated it, in verse 10, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. So apparently, and it sounds like hint, hint, he's like, oh, I'm glad to hear from you again. (laughs) But then he says, though you surely did care, I know you cared, but you lacked opportunity. He's being very gracious, but he's going, I don't want you to think that this is, you have saved my life. Because then he goes on, look at verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That word content means literally to be self-sufficient. That is, I am in a process of learning how I can operate independently of needing anything outside me. And ultimately, that's why he says, if I have Christ, then I'm learning that I can be fine without anything else that's there. So he says, I'm learning contentedness. This is the greatest lesson of all. So how do you learn that? And he goes on, and this... Nobody memorizes this verse too much. He says, I know how to be abased. That word abased means depressed or crushed. It's a word that means reviled and, and, and put down and just to be absolutely devastated. He goes, I know how to do that. <laughs> and I know how to abound. That word really... If you were translating it most literally, it's, I know how to superabound. I know how to have so much and so much more. I know how to just have it, have it piled on me. So I get, I understand, I've learned how to be depressed. Now, to learn how to be depressed, that's a, a whole interesting discussion. But I've also learned how to abound. And he goes on and says, everywhere in all things, whatever happens, I have learned both to be full And that means to be gorged, like you overate and you're like, oh, you know, I I went too far. I know how to do that. (laughs) And to be hungry, to have my stomach growling, to feel like I don't have anything to eat. Certainly, you can see him in jail as he gets all this food. All of a sudden, he fills himself up. But then at the same time, 
a lot of times he doesn't have food. In those days, in, in the Roman Empire, if you were in jail, they didn't serve you prison food. They didn't serve you any food. You were at the mercy of people from the outside to bring you food. So if nobody's sending him food, he knew what it was to be hungry. But now, after writing this, he had probably just pigged out completely, and he goes, I know how to do both. Eat like there's no tomorrow, and go without and starve. Both to abound, same word, superabound, and to suffer need. I know what it's like to not have something that is, that is essential for my survival. So then he says, with all of these lessons, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That idea of I can do all things is the, the Greek word there means that I have the power to do anything through Christ who strengthens me. That word in dunamao is, you know, we have the word dynamic, the ability to move something, or dynamite's obviously very good at that. But he's saying Christ gives me this potential to do anything because of the power that he puts within me. So then you go, then what's all this stuff about being depressed? What's all this stuff about eating too much or not having anything to eat or being somebody who's in a position of loneliness? Well, to Paul, and, I, and we should never think of Philippians 4.13 without remembering this. He says, here's curriculum for life. Here's how to be truly, as he says, self-sufficient. How to be independent from any other influence that can devastate or destroy you. Here's how you can know that, you know, as Corey Ten Boom said, I think uh, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So how can you know that you're fine without anything else? Or are you going to be dependent on your circumstances going the right way in order for you to be okay? And most people are slaves to their circumstances. When things are going well, they can handle it pretty well. When things are falling apart, they fall apart. And so Paul said, everything that I've learned, everything I've gone through has taught me those important lessons. The lessons of being down, the lessons of being up. They're different lessons, but they're equally important. As we talked about last week when we were looking at delighting or luxuriating in the Lord and Him giving us the desires of our heart. It's, you know, there are some people who have a lot and they don't handle it well. They don't enjoy it because they're paranoid about losing it. I mean, many people who are incredibly wealthy are so vulnerable to a swing in the stock market or, or in their particular bank. I mean, it's why like when the stock market crashed in 1929, it was, it was the rich people who were jumping out of buildings. It wasn't poor people. They're like, welcome to my world. I already didn't know where my next meal was coming from. So, but at the same time, Paul had to learn to be depressed. It, maybe it wasn't his nature. But how can you say part of my self-sufficiency is that, and the first thing he says is, I have learned to be 
depressed or humiliated. Depression is something that we avoid like the plague. We treat it as if it's the biggest problem that needs to be solved. Typically, if people see you and you don't look happy, they want to say something, say something that makes you happy. That's these annoying people that come up and go, smile, come on, put a smile on your face. Don't you know who Jesus is? Come on, smile. That never makes you feel less depressed. It makes you feel like, I'll give you something to smile about and, and taking it out on them. Paul didn't say, I learned how to not be depressed. And we have to understand that. It's partly why so much of our society, our energy is on how can you avoid depression? How can you heal depression? How can you, when you feel down, when you feel discouraged, when you've been humiliated, how can you avoid feeling that way? And Paul didn't say, I learned how to not be. I wish he did. I wish there was a cure for that. But he said, I learned how to be. And that is an important, powerful lesson for us to learn, for sure. I'm somebody who, for most of my life, I really never knew too much what it felt like to be depressed. There was one time when I had neck surgery that all of a sudden, it was hard. And it wasn't like my neck was hurting. But every day I would get up in the morning and I felt like, you know, Groundhog's Day and Bill Murray. I felt like, I just did this. It's another day. And uh, Chuck Smith Jr. told me, that's depression, Dave. That's what it feels like. And he goes, he said, when you get a major surgery, typically that can happen for like six months. So that helped me greatly because I knew there was, okay, after six months, I'll be okay. And you could have almost set it on the calendar. It's true. After six months, it went away. So what did I learn from that? Um, Don't have major surgery. (laughs) Or if you do, just... You know, I would get up. We were living in Huntington Beach at the time. Every day I would go walk to the end of the pier and back. And i go, okay, there I did something. And then I would show up Sunday and, and teach messages. But that's all I knew about it. But, you know, then there are times when God brings you through, like in this last year, it's been a time where I've had to experience depression without major surgery. Um, my last... Father's Day, my little brother killed himself on Father's Day and kind of left a note. He always said I was like his father, and he kind of blamed me. And that was hard. And it's still like I'm struggling. And then there have always been people in my family who struggle with depression, and you feel it you know, with them, but you kind of feel like, come on, you're blessed. Why don't you get over it? Then when you're experiencing, when it's like, when you wake up and you just feel like, I just don't have the energy anymore. I know you're only supposed to drink two five-hour energy drinks a day. After that, it's too much caffeine. But I'm like, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. I took a five-hour energy drink at 8, and I feel like I'm ready already. I feel like I need one for each service, you know, because I take one right before first service. And And it usually gets me through, but now it's like, I don't know, I'm winding down here. It's... and. So I can either look at that as something that I should fix, and I'm absolutely certain a couple of drinks would probably perk me up a little bit, and there are medications that would as well. And please, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying don't take medication. But what I'm saying is our world says 
If you are depressed, there's something wrong with you, and you need to find a way to fix it. And one thing that the Lord has shown me, I think, and, and it hit me that the first thing that Paul had to learn to do wasn't how to not be depressed, but it was how to be depressed. That it was okay to be that way, that he could embrace that condition and realize there's a lesson here. There's something that God is doing in my life as a result of this. And it's actually something that will empower me to become more independent more self-sufficient, less enslaved to whatever circumstances happen to me because I've learned. I figured it out. And Jesus was perfect, but he was called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He never felt that way until he became human. But you come into the human sphere and it's something that is... And there are some people who, I remember Pastor Chuck saying, I never experienced depression a day in my life. He just didn't understand what depression was. But, you know, some people have it more than others. If God brings you through a period of time where you're depressed, one of the most important things to do isn't to fix your depression. It's to embrace it and learn what you can learn from it. Learn how to be depressed. And like that means, okay, I'm depressed. But the best way for me to handle that isn't to stay in bed all day or to do nothing or to drink myself into oblivion or to, you know, just get, completely ignore it or go into denial or go and help somebody else. Now, if you do that thinking it's going to fix, it doesn't do it. Because the lesson is learn how to be depressed and humiliated. There's something here that when, if you can get to the point where that doesn't destroy you, now you've learned something really useful. Because now you don't live with the fear of, what if this never goes away? Or what if this comes back? Or what if people knew how I really felt or whatever? It's like, no, you welcome, you embrace it, you go, this is a part of the curriculum. Here's what God is teaching me. And for Paul, the first thing he mentions is, because it's something that we don't like to talk about, he liked to talk about it is, I learned. The way I became self-sufficient, relying only on Jesus is, I learned to be depressed and humiliated. But at the same time, he also learned, as he said, I learned to superabound. I learned to have more than I could have ever imagined. By the way, those two can come at the same time, but sometimes one comes and then the other comes where one day you're feeling like, wow, I'm so blessed, and the other day you're feeling like, why am I still alive? Paul learned both extremes because, you know, depression can certainly take you out and destroy you, but you know what else can take you out and destroy you? Having stuff, having a lot can actually ruin you. Again, we talked about this last Sunday about delighting in the Lord, having, having the luxury that you can enjoy it. And we talked about how some people have a lot of stuff and they just become hoarders. Some people have a lot of stuff and they become greedy for more stuff. Some people feel some success and they just have to have more success. It becomes an addiction. So... Can you have a lot and go, you know what? This doesn't define me. Again, 
the question is, okay, I'm depressed. What if I just always feel this way? Am I going to be okay? Or am I just going to quit? And then, on the other hand, what if I have everything and I'm enjoying the luxury that we all enjoy, living here in the United States, living in California, you know, yeah, we have goofy leadership, but we're still doing pretty well. And so, at the very least, we all get free coffee at church. But, <laughs> so, what do I do with my abundance? Do I hang on to it? Do I think it makes me better than other people? Or do I look at it and go, I'm going to enjoy this while I can, because it may not always be this way. And again, as he goes on, I know what it's like to pig out. Some people, once in a while, it would just be good for us to eat something that we shouldn't, shouldn't, supposedly. And it's just like, you find out, it's not that much. It doesn't taste, like, I, I'm diabetic, and I have to really kind of watch what I eat, and I have a continuous glucose monitor that just nags me on my phone and my watch. If, if, so I already know. I'm, man, if I eat something bad, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shame me. But at the same time, once in a while, like, it might be good just to eat a donut. And what you find out is they aren't as good as I really remembered them to be. But at the same time, sometimes you just indulge. Sometimes you overeat. It's okay. Do it all the time. It'll destroy you. If you, do, if you eat like a pig all the time, then you haven't learned the lesson of having an abundance. At the same time, sometimes it's good to fast. Sometimes it's good to do without. Sometimes it's good to eat very simply. Not so that you think you're better and superior to other people, but so that you realize my life is more than just what I eat. One way or the other, we should practice both. You know? In the same way, that if you have clothes that make you feel good, great. But sometimes it's good just to wear the same thing regularly for a while. That's what most minimalists do. Because it takes away from you the burden of, what am I going to wear next? It's like, you realize, I can wear the same shirt, I mean, maybe with one-minute messages. I mean, I, wear, I used to change shirts before each one-minute message. And then I thought, nobody's noticing my shirt while I'm talking about Exodus, you know? So, so it's like, figure out. It's, there are some things that aren't that big of a deal. Now, if you like to wear nice clothes, great. Go with that. But you better also make sure that that doesn't become your identity, that instead you're disciplining yourself that sometimes you can dress like a slob and still be okay as well. Otherwise, you're a slave to whatever you have, whatever it is, the accoutrements of whatever you perceive as being what's your identity. One of the questions that I ask for the discussion questions this week for the small groups is what do you think is a bigger threat? Becoming, you know, dealing with being down and depressed or dealing with having abundance and being really blessed and wealthy? Because poverty has its own lessons and prosperity has its own lessons too. And Paul seems to indicate here if you're ever going to be self-sufficient, depending only on Jesus, you kind of need to learn both of those lessons. It's one of the blessings. I've known people who at one time were really wealthy. 
And then they get to where they've like lost everything. And some of them just moan and groan about it all the time. Others are like, I've done that. I know it doesn't satisfy me. I'm happy with a lot less. I'm happy without all that stuff. Some people can keep a lot of stuff and still not be attached to it. But for each one of us, we have to embrace the curriculum of, I want to be okay either way, knowing that none of this defines me. I am not defined by whether I have an overabundance or whether I'm running on empty. Because in the end, I am more than any of that. And that's how, see, if I don't learn to be poor and rich, if I don't learn to be depressed and overjoyed, then whatever state I'm in, there's a threat. Because now, like, what happens if I lose that which I'm depending on? I mean, and you've seen this in relationships where somebody can become so attached to a relationship that losing that relationship would destroy them. That isn't good for the relationship, and it's not a healthy way to be. We have to keep a light touch on everything in our lives in order for us to truly live the life that God has for us. But to know, you know, I mean, it's like you might go, well, oh man, if uh, there are people who, who would say, if that TV show got canceled, my life would be over. Or, man, if, if that church ever shut down, my life would be over. If that person died, my life would be over. That's a warning that there's something that you're weaker as a result of hanging on to something where you're designed to actually be self-sufficient, as Paul says, to be independent, to be only reliant on Jesus himself. And life, I mean, life is a roller coaster, let's face it. The reason that we like roller coasters is it's so much like life. It's up and down, twists and turns. You're not sure the best roller coasters fool you, where it goes left when you think it's going right and things like that. That's life. That's the way it is. You never know when you're going to get blessed and feel like you won the lottery, and you never know when you're going to be stabbed in the back and feel like you're deserted and devastated and you don't want to live anymore. That's life. So Paul says the key to success in life is to be independent of those things that you can't control. And the way to do that is to embrace and accept them all. And so for him, it's like depression, been there, done that. And it wasn't that he knew he'd get through it either. You know, it's as you read Paul's last letter that he wrote, Second Timothy, I mean, he is super depressed. It's kind of like Jesus when he's on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What do you say? Get over it? No, it's, that's, that's reality. But for Paul, that didn't stop him. The fact that he felt like everybody had deserted him did not stop him from doing what God had called him to do. And it didn't stop Jesus from ultimately saying, but into your hands I commit my spirit. And so learning how to accept these things is a, is a huge key to accepting life itself and ultimately 
thriving in life because what thriving looks like is I am not a victim of whatever happens to me. Anytime you feel like you're a victim, there's something that has control other than you with the Lord. Now, I'm not making light of people being victimized. I understand that. I've, I've had my share of, of victimization too. But at the same time, I have to get past it. If I am a slave to what's happened in my past, if I just go, you know, this is the way I am because, well, my parents were this way. So that's why I'm this way. What do I do about that? I mean, there are certainly lessons that I can learn from looking at that perspective. But the question is, how do I get past this? Because if I can't get past it, I will always be a slave to whatever has happened before. And so when Paul says, I can do all things, again, context is everything. He's saying, I can be humiliated and depressed and I keep moving forward. I can be have an overabundance and I can keep moving forward. I don't get distracted by that. I can eat way too much. Doesn't change me. I can skip meals because I don't have food. Doesn't rattle me, doesn't shake me, doesn't pull me off my game. In the end, whether I have a super abundance or whether I have nothing, I have Jesus. And through him, I can do all things. I have the power to do everything that I need to do through Christ who, you know, who empowers me, who strengthens me, but who gives me the power to keep moving forward, to continue to progress, to continue to grow, to continue to survive. He gives me that ability, and that's what ultimate power in life really looks like, that nothing rattles me. Does it hurt? Do I hate it? Sure. But will I embrace it and say, if this never goes away, if that person I care about never comes back, if that situation doesn't ever change, if I continue to have this medical condition, or if I continue to feel the way I do about life, or if I, I have Christ, he's the one who gives me the strength to confront everything that happens in life. And that is what ultimate power looks like. That's what strength looks like. That's what life can and should look like when you're learning the lessons. So for every one of us, look at what's in your life that you can't control. I wonder why that has happened to you at this point. It's a part of the curriculum. When you're in school, the teacher decides the curriculum. You can't just say, you know what? I don't like, well, I don't know, nowadays maybe you can, but you know, when I was in school, I couldn't just go, you know, nope, I'm not interested in that. I want to learn about this. No, you trust the curriculum. You trust the teacher. You trust the administrators that the curriculum is going to be something that in the end, after you go through all of it, it turns out that the net of it is it's made you a more well-rounded, educated person. 
But while you're in the middle of it, a lot of it seems to be random and disconnected. But you trust the teacher. Now, how much more when God is our teacher, when Jesus is the one who is leading and guiding us? And we have somebody like Paul who goes, trust me, I learned this. I'm an old man. I'm in jail. I've written half the New Testament. And you know what? I've recognized that every challenge that comes up, it's my job to learn how to handle it, to learn how to deal with it. And it turns out those lessons are going to give other, other forces and powers much less hold on me. As soon as I can accept depression, depression no longer has its grip on me because I'm like, okay, so I feel depressed. I'm, that's not on my to-do list. I'm still going to do what I can do. Okay, so I got blessed and I got something extra. It's okay. I'm not going to live my life a lot differently. I will enjoy what I have. I'm not going to worry about losing it. If I lose it, it was nice having it while I had it, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I have a nice plate of food. I'll eat it. <laughs> I don't. I'll go with that. It must be, t- must be a good time to diet. Most of us could skip a whole lot of meals and we would still be fine. And yet it's still that, oh, what are we going to, what if, you know, what if the, like the way that people during COVID like started hoarding all kinds of stuff, you got to be ready to, you know, you may not be able to get to the store, you, you know, you need to hoard groceries and things like, who wants to live that way? I mean, I remember before Y2K, Christians were just going crazy, hoarding all kinds of food and things like that. And I got some people mad at me at Calvary Costa Mesa when I was speaking for Chuck, and I go, you know what, I'm not worried about, I'm not hoarding any food for Y2K. Because if it happens, I know where some Mormons live, and I have a gun. <laughs> I'll be fine. And that's the kind of, I'm, if you're a Mormon, I apologize in advance. But lose the cult. But um, no, it's like, or if you know anybody who's paranoid, it's like, let them worry about it. I'll be okay. I will be, I am self-sufficient. I can do what I need to do. I can get what I need to get. And if I don't get it, that's my Lord's choice. But Christ makes it possible for me to not only survive, but that everything that happens that looks like a bad thing turns out to be setting me free. Turns out to be like, Am I going to worry about that? I've been there before. I, I got through that. That doesn't threaten me anymore. We shouldn't be slaves to what might happen. That's the ultimate slavery for any human being. So the ultimate freedom for every human being is to go, okay, bring it on. Good days, bad days, I'll accept them all. Because I've learned how to do it. I've learned the best way to be depressed, I've learned the best way to be wealthy. You can wonder which one would be a harder test. They're, they're unique. Some people who are wealthy in one way are impoverished in other ways. But ultimately, once you get to where now you're self-sufficient, that all you actually need is Jesus, wow. That's what it's like to grow up. And that's what Paul is saying. I am finally at this point in my life, and I'm telling you Philippians, because you're my favorite people, I have figured this out, that I have learned 
that everything that happens, I embrace it, I welcome it, I make the best of it, because Jesus strengthens me. I don't get too tripped out over the negative stuff. I don't get too excited about the positive stuff. I just keep moving. I'm still going to be who I am. And to my dying day, that's my commitment. For all of us, that's what freedom truly looks like. That's what, ultimately, that's what wealth truly looks like. Somebody who doesn't need anything, can you imagine what that's like? And that's what, whatever happens in your life. If all of a sudden you strike it rich or you go broke, it's Jesus saying, okay, I have a new lesson for you today. Here's what you're going to learn. That wasn't the tragedy that you think it was or that wasn't the blessing that you think it was. It's just called life. The day is going to come and for all of eternity, you're not going to care. You're not going to trip nobody. You're not going to be depressed in heaven. You're not going to be broke or rich in heaven. Everyone will be in a state of going, I can't believe we made it here. I can't believe we survived. In the meantime, learning to be self-sufficient, where Jesus is what I need and I'm fine, nothing else can really rattle me, nothing else moves me, that's, that's true success, ultimately. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this scripture. So powerful when we really consider it. So much more pow- powerful, really, than the idea that we can, if we pray that we're going to win. What, what happens when we lose? And Paul says, that's where it starts. It actually starts with that lesson. And then if you've experienced and survived, still hanging on to Jesus while you've been humiliated and hurt and depressed, you pass that class, good for you. You're stronger now than you were before, whether you feel like it or not. Lord, some of us will be tested this week with what we don't have. Some of us will be tested this week with what we do have. Help us to follow the curriculum as you give it out to us and to continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we would walk in the reality that we can do anything that all we need is you giving us the ability to do that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.